Each significant event in the life of Jesus is called a mystery in the sense that it reveals something about God. And so it has an unfathomable depth. Jesus' baptism is what I would call a link mystery because it connects other mysteries together in some way. First, it refers to the public life of Jesus. Since the, the baptism of Christ is the beginning, marks the, the opening of the public ministry. In the person of John the Baptist, it's as if all ancient Israel was pointing to Christ to bring the fulfillment of the law. And John the Baptist is like passing on the baton from the Old Testament to the New, so to say. In the second place, this baptism contains a link with the passion at Mount, on Mount Calvary. Because the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. It implied acknowledging you know, my, people's own sins. And so it's a bit strange that Jesus is being baptized, isn't it? It's as if, he, as if he was lining up for confession, in a way. Well, precisely, he's lining up in a line that is not his. In the moment of baptism, Jesus is beginning to carry our own sins on his shoulders. He's beginning to atone for our sins. Obviously, that will reach the highest expression on the cross. But it begins here, at the baptism. And in the third place, the baptism opens up to a mystery of God that was hidden until this point, the mystery of the Trinity. And this is, this is the first time in which Israel hears that God, being one, is also Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit descending upon Christ in the form of a dove, and people hear the voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Notice that our own baptism also has these connections with all these different mysteries. The fact that we are baptized means that we were immersed in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We died with him to a life of sin, and we rose with Christ to a new life with God. It's also the call to a mission in the world, to a sort of public ministry. You know, obviously, the, uh, this is most, mostly manifested in confirmation, but confirmation is a confirmation, confirmation precisely of baptism. Being baptized mean, means receiving a sort of call and mission to do something for a certain purpose. And then because we're baptized, finally, we're also adopted into the Trinity. We are made children of the Father. We are adopted sons and daughters. And that's the aspect in which I'd like to meditate a bit more today. Because the affirmation that the Father utters on Christ, this is my beloved Son, he wants to extend it in Christ to each one of us here. He wants you to experience and receive the same affirmation. You are my beloved Son. You are my beloved daughter. It's so much needed in our generation to receive this message, I think, because we are told in so many ways, you are not wanted. You are not lovable. You are not good enough. 
no matter what you do. I think there's, there's a generalized lack of affirmation and many, many critical voices. And that's why so many people today feel orphaned, as if they don't belong, they're not accepted. And, and so they tend to overcompensate. They seek to feel loved and affirmed in ways that are self-destructive and very harmful, in different forms of addictions, in, in aggressive behaviors, in different ways of using others and letting themselves be used. And all of this happens because they are missing this core conviction of their own goodness. I think that you know, only the affirming voice of God, of the Father, can convict us of our goodness. Because he made us good. He created us good. I recently had the chance to uh, watch an old movie. It's called The Last Castle. And I was kind of preparing myself to, uh, for an action movie for the weekend, in a sense. But it had a lot of great insights into leadership and, and also connections with this present topic of baptism and leadership and fatherhood. The plot of the movie centers on, on a battle between two men, the commandant of a military prison, Colonel Winter, and one of the inmates, General Irwin, who is, you know, a, a very a legendary figure in the army. He was a, you know, a war hero and who had been court-martialed for disobeying executive orders. Irwin starts defying the, 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 or the, you know, the commandant for his cruelty and, and harsh measures, and the inmates begin to discover in him a very inspiring figure. They want to lead him instead of the commandant, right? And uh, Irwin stands up for them, for example, defending them from you know, br the brutality of, uh, of winter, even at the cost of getting punished himself. So it's very self-sacrificial. And with this new following, General Irwin starts to generate a different atmosphere in prison. At one point, the commandant tells him, whenever I hesitate in punishing one of the prisoners, I just go back to his file and look into what they have done. And that takes away all hesitation. And Irwin had a completely different approach. He said, you know, I don't look at a person through the lens of the worst thing they have done. I look at them through the best they can, they can do, through their highest potential. And I think that in this regard, this man is a sort of Christ figure in the story. Because that's, that's exactly what Jesus does with us. He looks at us not through our worst, but through our best, through our highest potential. And, and this man starts to transform the ambience of the prison because of that. Uh, he does that precisely with the prisoners that are most tempted to feel rejected and lose hope. For example, there's a man named Aguilar who was, you know, had some disability and stuttered. And so everybody make, made fun of him, rejected him. And he starts to discover the skills of this man and, and his heroism in the past. And he, he starts to show respect for him and, and to restore his dignity. And so all the other inmates start to, start to respect him as well you can see the relationship started gradually change and shift. This, this is exactly what Jesus does with each one of us. He sees through your best 
potential, not through your worst moment. In this, he mirrors you know, the Father's affirming love for you. He wants you to hear this, these words of the Father over you today. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased because I know what you're capable of. The Father's love has taken visible form in the face of, of Jesus. The Father's love has a tangible place in the Eucharist. The love of the Father has an audible voice in the Gospel. He has a presence in our world through the community of believers that surrounds you right now. Obviously, this doesn't mean that God cannot challenge us to conversion at times. You know, of course, he, he will call us to, to amend and to change, but when he does call us to conversion, he does it based on this fundamental affirmation of our goodness. He believes in us. He calls us to change because you know, he sees that we're engaged in bad behaviors that are, that are not good for us, and he doesn't want all these good things in us to go to waste, to be spoiled. So let me suggest a couple practical things that we can take away this week. The first one is very concrete. Think of something you can wear or carry with you this week that will remind you that you're a son of God, a daughter of the Father. Maybe it can be a cross you wear, maybe a ring, a medal in your pocket, uh, maybe a holy card you carry with you, you know, something you wear, a bracelet that reminds you, I'm a child of the Father. He is well pleased with me, and I live for him. I live for the Lord. So be reminded of that presence of the Father in your life and how he looks at you with, he, he, he delights in you. He's proud of you. He calls you to himself. And the second thing to take away is, is this one, is to be a voice of affirmation for others. As I was thinking and preparing this, I kind of reviewed my own, how I do things, you know. Uh, if, I, if I myself can also be a voice of affirmation for other people and, and review how, how we do things. Am I reflecting God's affirming love for those around me? Am I seeing them through their best or maybe through their worst? And even if it's my duty to point out to others their shortcomings or things they should improve, I can still convey to them, you know, you are worthy. You can do great things. I believe in you. I, I'm saying this because I think you can, you can do better and you have great qualities and I appreciate what you're doing. So be that Christ figure for other people who people need it so much today. Be affirming. Be a voice of affirmation. May we pray. Father, thank you for receiving us as your children in Christ. Keep us from the voice of the enemy that tells us that there's nothing good in us. He wants to convict us that we are worthless. Father, give us the grace of not following that voice, but of believing in your love, of believing in your love, of finding the affirmation that we need in you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.